Go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Caleb, if we haven't met before. Uh, it's good to see you, good to be with you as we start uh, a new series talking about God's love and how God loves us. And uh, we'll be doing this series for the next four weeks, and I'm, I'm really excited about this. A lot of this comes out of, some of you know that I was on sabbatical for uh, the summer, most of the summer, and uh, this is really the first series that I'm doing as I'm coming back, and a lot of this is coming out of the things that uh, God was teaching me and that I was spending time reflecting on and uh, listening to God on, so I'm excited to uh, begin these next four weeks with you all and excited to see what God does uh, for us in, in that time. So I'm, I'm just going to pray, and then we will jump into what we have here. So Father, I, I ask that right now you would open our hearts. Uh, none of us came here this morning to waste our time. Uh, whether it's our first time here or we've been coming for a long time, we all uh, came here today hoping uh, to experience something. Maybe we have high hopes, maybe we have little hopes, Maybe it's just checking the box of looking for a church. I, I don't know, God, what brought people here, but I know that we came here wanting and hoping for something. And so I ask that you would meet us beyond what we even expect today, and that you would speak to each person in this room, God. We ask that you would be present even now in this room. We know that you are always present, that you are everywhere all the time, but we ask that you would increase God, just your manifest presence in this room, that we would know you and experience you even as we open the Bible and listen to your voice to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, we all want to face the hard stuff in life and beat it. We all want to be able to face whatever is coming at us in life and not have it crush us. Right? Not have it defeat us, not have it, uh, I'm, and now I'm hearing Michael Jackson in my head, but we, we want to be able to beat it, right? No one wants to be defeated, as the great sage said. Um, also, it's not really good to quote Michael Jackson, I guess, anymore. Uh, but we, we want to be able to beat whatever comes at us in life. We, we want it not to change us in a negative way. We want it not to be able to emotionally impact us in a way that is unrecoverable. We want whatever the hard stuff in life is, we want to be able to beat it, to be able to come out on top, to be able to say, hey, I grew through that, to be able to, in the middle of it, say, man, I'm able, I, this is hard, this is difficult, but I'm able to actually thrive. I'm still able to have joy. I'm still able to have my relationships. We want whatever comes at us in life, and a lot of stuff comes at us in life, we want whatever it is, we want to be able to beat it. And it's hard. We all have different challenges in life that we face. We all have difficult things in life that are happening. If you go to Google and just type in the, the things that maybe you're worried about, these are the top things that come up. I'm worried about my grade. Maybe some of you are students, and this is already, even though school just started, this is on your mind, or I'm worried about my future, and, and all sorts of things in our future, right? Am I going to get married? Am I going to marry the wrong person, the right person? Am I, what, what's going to happen? Am I going to have enough money? What's my aging going to look like? What's, I'm worried about my future. I'm worried about my friend. Maybe it's not even your stuff. Maybe it's kind of the other people in your life and, and you are feeling burdened and hurt because of them. I'm worried about my finances. Well, man, that's one of the top worries that we all can have, right? Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've got a job, but it's not the job that you're hoping for. Maybe, maybe you've just got a lot of debt. I'm worried about my kidneys. I mean, who can't feel that, right? I mean, it's Denver. There's a lot of beer here. Everyone's worried about their kidneys, right? 
Stop drinking so much. I'm worried that that one's an easy fix, okay? So I'm, I'm worried about my parents' health. Maybe as your parents get older, I mean, I'm, you know, you, you talk to your parents and, and you start to have health concerns for them. I'm worried about my friend's mental health. Just nudge your friend if that's them. I'm worried about my, no, I'm just kidding. I'm worried about my marriage. And maybe it's your marriage that you're worried about. Maybe it's, man, it's the marriage and you're like, man, I thought this was going to be awesome. I thought it was going to be great. But now this is actually the greatest worry that I'm experiencing is my marriage. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my boyfriend. I'm worried about my parents' finances. I mean, all these kinds of things. Or if you say, I'm stressed about, I'm stressed about money. I'm stressed about school. I'm stressed about my future. I'm stressed about my new job. I'm stressed about exams. I'm stressed about my exams. So maybe you're just stressed about exams in general. Just all exams, and maybe you're stressed more acutely about your exams, or maybe you're just stressed about everything, right? And guys, the battery is dead on this, so I might need some help, so, um, it, or it's blinking that it's going to be dead. So I'll, I'll click through, but when it dies, I'll need, I'll need help from the back. Thanks. Uh, I'm stressed about my clicker not working, right? Like everything. We, we can be stressed. We can be worried about all sorts of things in life, and, and we want to be able to beat it. Right? All this stuff, if you find yourself here, which, I mean, you've got to be able to find yourself somewhere in there, right? And if you find yourself, I'm stressed about this, I'm worried about this, we want to be able to beat that stuff. We don't want that stuff to beat us. We want to be able to make it through this, to still have joy, to still be able to uh, relate to other people, to relate to God. We want to be able to make it through that stuff and say, yeah, I've, I've been able to beat the challenges that are coming at me. Some of you maybe came here because of this. You came here maybe saying, maybe God's the answer. Maybe church is the answer. Maybe meeting some people is the answer. Maybe that's what can help me beat some of the challenges I'm facing. Maybe for some of you, life is really, really hard right now, and it's, it's a lot of that stuff that was on the list or multiple things that are on that list, and you're like, man, is there a way that I can make it through this? And maybe for some of us, it's not so extreme. It's just some of the daily pressures of this kind of stuff that's on us and it's just kind of the day-to-day, man, I want to be able to beat this. I don't, it, you, you feel that it's affecting you. You feel that you're changing in a way that you don't like, and, and, and you want to be able to beat it. And if, if we know that we can beat whatever comes at us, wouldn't that be great? And if you knew that whatever came at you, whether it's the stuff on this list or things that are more challenging or less, whatever it is, I mean, don't, don't you want to be able to know that whatever comes at you, you could beat it? I, I saw a movie, this is an old movie now, it's about 15 years old, but called Big Fish. And um, there's this, this witch, and she's got this magic eye. Maybe some of you have seen it. Maybe some of you haven't. It's fine. But this, this guy is dared by his friends when he's a teenager to go look in her eye, and he'll see when it is that he dies. And now what happens, that happens kind of close to the beginning of the movie. What happens through the rest of the movie is he's always kind of referring back to this and saying, it's not how I go. That's not how I die. So he's got boldness to do all sorts of things. I mean, he's fighting ninjas, and he's fighting werewolves, and he's jumping out of planes, and it's a fantasy movie. It's not based on true story, um, if the witch's eye didn't already give it away. But he's, he's, he's able to face all this stuff in life, and he's always saying, it's not how I go. Like, if you know that you can beat whatever comes at you, if you know that whatever comes at you in life, if you know you can beat it, if you know that's not how you go, man, you've got confidence. You've got boldness. You've got peace. Because stuff can come at you, and it's going to come at you, but you are able to say, I know I'm going to beat this. 
I know this isn't how I go. Like if we can know that we can beat whatever comes at us in life, imagine the power of that. Imagine the power of that coming in in your upcoming week if you said, man, this isn't how I go. I know I can beat this. Now, how, how can we do that? How can we beat anything? How can we beat anything that comes at us in life? Here's the answer. And I'll say the answer, and you're already going to know the answer because it's on the screen, but it's, it's kind of trite sounding. The way that we can beat anything that comes at us in life is by knowing God's love. Now, that doesn't sound like the answer because that is, is this big, deep truth about God's love and how much God's love, and yet it's the most powerful, empty truth often that I think we know. Probably you didn't come in here saying, I think God hates me. Maybe some of you did. I mean, that can be an experience that some people have. But you probably, if I said, hey, what kind of God do you believe in? Or what kind of God? You probably say, yeah, I believe in a God of love. And I think that God loves. And, and it's the most powerful truth that has the power to change everything about our lives. And yet the most empty truth that there often is. One that we have neutered of its power. Sometimes I'll say to my daughter, She's almost 11, and I'll say to her something, maybe, I don't know, something's going on. She's having a hard day or having a hard time. And I'll say, hey, I, baby, I love you. I just want you to know I love you so much. I love you with all my heart. She'll say, I know. You don't have to say that. And I'm like, I know already, okay? It's like, are you 15 or 11? Like, what is going on? That's sometimes how God's love is, is we go, yeah, I know. So what? I already know that. How does this have the power to help me with my exams? How does this have the power to help me with my marriage? How does this have the power to help me with my concerns about my parents' health or my finances or, or whatever it is? How, how does this, I, this is this big old truth, but what does this actually do for, what does this actually do for me? Now, we can beat whatever is coming at us. We can beat whatever is happening in our lives. And it comes through this. But I know that we don't really kind of understand or think that that's the answer. So we need to explore how that is the case. And that's what Paul is going to help us with today as we look at this section in Romans. Paul writes to the church in Rome dealing with probably a lot of things that we deal with in life. A lot of the questions, a lot of the struggles that we have. He writes to them to help them understand how it is that we can beat whatever it is that's coming at us. So to explore that, we need to start with this question, which is just, what is God's love? If God's love is the answer to help us beat whatever's coming at us, what, what are we even talking about? What is God's love? What is it? And I love the way Paul starts off this section because he says this, what then are we to say about these things? And, and this is coming in, if you can see at the top, this is coming in at chapter 8 of a whole letter that he's writing. And what that means is that Paul has been talking about all sorts of other things before this. He's been talking about how God has saved people, how God's chosen people and brought them in his family, how God gives his Holy Spirit and lives inside of people, how God forgives people, how there's sin in us, but Jesus dies for us, how God forgives, how he gives us his holiness and his righteousness and adopts us into his family and works everything in our life. He's been talking about all these huge, massive truths but I love how he begins because then he says, so what are we supposed to say about this stuff? What are we supposed to, because you know a lot of big truth. 
you know stuff like God loves you or God's in control or God's powerful. If you've been a Christian for a long time, if you've heard a lot of Bible stories, if, if maybe you're not even a Christian or not sure where you are, but you still know a lot of stuff, but so what? What are you supposed to say about it? How's it actually supposed to make a difference? How's it actually supposed to affect our life on the street on Monday, on Tuesday with our kids, with our family, with our finances? What are we supposed to say about this stuff? I love how he starts off. Because he says, look, we, we know a lot, but so what? We know a lot of truth. We know a lot of stuff, but does it make a difference? What does is, what is all this big truth mean? What's it supposed to do? And this goes directly to the question of God's love, which is what he's going to get to. Because it's hard to think, it's hard to think that God's love is the answer to all the issues. Right? We can be honest about that. Like whatever issues you're facing in your life, you might think that getting out of it is the answer. You might think that um, you might think that kind of doing a little bit better, like if you can kind of figure it out and do a little bit better, be a little bit smarter, work a little harder, get a little extra time, get a little extra money, maybe that's the answer. We don't think that God's love is the answer. It's a basic fact. It's not something that we're against. It's just something we don't really see the relevance of. And here's why. Here's why. Because we usually, we usually don't really know what God's love means, which is why we have to explore it. You know what we think that God's love means? Oftentimes when I talk to people or in my own life, what I've felt and experienced is usually one of two things. For some of you, maybe God's love doesn't have power because what you think God's love is essentially is that God's nice. So people say things like, I believe in a God of love, which basically means I believe in a God that's not a jerk. I believe in a God that kind of is nice and has good feelings. He's a generally nice person, kind of like a grandfather figure. And that's not that powerful. How's that going to affect my life? Or maybe it's this, especially for those of you that are Christians and maybe have been Christians for a long time. I know that I have felt this a lot. Here's what we think God's love is. We think God's love is the cross. We might think that what God's love is and what God's love means is that Jesus died for us on the cross. That a couple thousand years ago, he sacrificed himself for us. And we think that that's what God's love is. Both those are wrong. Both those are missing something so important. Because if what you think that God's love is, is just that he's nice That doesn't necessarily mean that anything is going to be able to be beat in your life or you're going to be able to do anything in your life. And if what you think is that God's love means that 2,000 years ago he did something in the past, you don't necessarily see the relevance of that for you today. You might say, hey, that's really nice that 2,000 years ago he did something for me. But what does that mean today? I'm right here, right now. I've got exams tomorrow. I've got financial problems. I've got health issues. I've got worries and stresses today. So what does it mean that 2,000 years ago he died for me on the cross if that's what his love is? What is God's love? Here's what what Paul says. He says this, the next sentence. If God is for us, who's against us? And this is the idea. Here's what God's love is. Here's the definition of God's love. It's that God is for you. If God is for us, who's against us? And we'll get to the rest of this passage, but I just want to show you as he comes to the end of it, 
at, as he nears the end of the passage, he says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? So he starts off the passage saying, let me tell you about how God is for you. And then at the end, he says, here is here, everything I've been talking about, everything I've been saying is that God being for you is his love for you. And no one can separate you from that. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but I just want to show you how he bookends God being for us with nothing being able to separate us from his love because he is equating the two. He's saying, this is what it means that God loves you. This is what it means that God is for you, is that God loves you. You see, here's the, here's the definition of God's love. It's that God is for you. See, that's different from just God being nice. It's different from just God being a nice person that, that's not a jerk because it is saying there's something inside of him that's not just his personality is that he is nice. It's that I am for you. It's that his disposition is towards you. And this is even different from saying God's love is 2,000 years ago. He did something on the cross because it's saying right now, today, my heart is for you, that I have an affection for you. That I look at you and say, I am for you. See, almost every time in the New Testament that it talks about the cross, and I just want to explain this a little bit because probably for some of you that are Christians, you get nervous when I say that God's love is not defined by the cross. Pretty much every single time in the New Testament that it talks about the cross and links it with God's love, it says something like this. God proves his love for us in this, that Jesus died. God demonstrates his love for us in this that Jesus died. But you see what that's saying? God is demonstrating his love. That's something that's before the demonstration. God is proving his love. But that is the proof. The cross is the ultimate proof. It's the ultimate demonstration. It's the ultimate revelation. It's the ultimate manifestation of his love. But it is not the same thing as his love. It's the ultimate expression of it, yes. But of what? Of his love. Of his being for you, of his fundamental nature saying, I am for you. See, this means love. Sometimes in Christian circles, we say this, and I hate it because it's so false and I think really damaging. We say that love, love is mainly an action. That is not true. That is not what the Bible teaches. Love should always be displayed in action. There's no, it's like James, for those of you that, you know, know, know the letter in the Bible, James, James says that faith without works is dead. It's the same thing. It's, there's no real love if there's not action, but love is not the same thing as action. Love is a heart affection that says that in God's nature, he looks at you and says, I'm for you. That God looks at you and says, there's in my heart, I am fundamentally for you. And yes, of course, then there's going to be action that proves that, demonstrates that, shows that. But God wants you to know, I'm for you. Yep, I'm for you. And that's what I did on the cross to show you. But right now, today, I'm for you. That God looks at you and whatever stresses and whatever's overwhelming and whatever's going on. And he says, I am for you. That I'm on your side that I'm working for good in your life, that I want something for you, that I am for you. That's what God's love is, which is a deeply powerful truth. I don't know if you've ever had someone in your life 
I don't know if you've ever had someone. Usually it would be some sort of authority. But it says, hey, I'm for you. And they, they backed it up and they showed it and they proved it. They walked with you. They helped you. They said, I want you to know I am for you. I don't know if you've had someone like that. Maybe it was a coworker. Maybe you started a job. Or maybe sometimes for those of you in school, you, maybe you started at school and it was a, you know, a fellow student and you were new. And they, and they said, I am for you. And it meant they were on your side. It meant they, they wanted good for you. It meant they were going to do stuff for you. It meant that their heart really was with you and for you. I don't know if you've ever, I, I, I was thinking about this. I maybe have only really had this experience once in my life where it was an older pastor that, that told me, I am for you. And I cried just to know, man, to actually have someone in my corner to actually have someone that's going to, to put his money where his mouth is, to actually have someone that, that I knew had an affection for me and said, I'm for you. See, that's what God's love is. That God's posture towards you, his heart towards you, and he backs it up, is that he is for you. Your whole life. Your whole life, the theme of your life is that God is for you. The theme of your life is that God is for you. And, and maybe you don't feel that. Maybe you don't get that. Maybe that's still hard to really even let it sink in. And you can just ask God even now, God, would you make that more real to me? We got, we got another two hours together, so just ask God over the next two hours. Make that more real to me. I mean, ask God, God, if that's true, if, that, if that's what it is, Make that real to my heart. That's what God's love is, is that God's posture is for you. But how does that actually help us beat the difficulty of life? That's what it is. That's what we need to know. That's what we need to explore. But how does God's love help us beat the difficulty of life? Because you think of your life and stuff is hard. Maybe you go, okay, God's for me, but how far will that go? God's for me, but what can that actually affect? If God's posture is, I'm for you, I'm on your side, I'm working for good for you, I, I feel affection for you, if that is what is true of God, how far, how far is that going to go? Does it go far enough to meet the stuff that you're, re that you're dealing with, that you're wrestling with? Does it go far enough to meet all sorts of different things? Paul's going to walk through several questions at me that we might have and several areas where we might see that, I don't know, can God's love get through this? Here's the first one. We already looked at the line, but we'll just go to the second part of this. He says, if God is for us, who's against us? See, maybe for you right now, some of the difficulty in life is that people are against you. Or maybe it feels that way. Maybe that's real, but it's hard in life right now because you can say, okay, God might love me. God might be for me, but they don't. They're not for me. They don't love me. And they're coming at me. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Maybe you've got gossip at work. Maybe people are talking about you behind your back. Maybe, maybe someone's kind of even getting in the middle of people that were close friends and is kind of shaking stuff up. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's coworkers. And you feel people are against me. And I'm not saying you feel it and you're just some hyper-emotional wacko. I'm, I'm saying maybe it's real. People are against you. That's a hard place to be in. At work, at home, in your friendships, in your family, people might be against you. 
And you go, man, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, what is God's love going to do when people are against me? And what he says is this, if God is for you, who can be against you? Maybe you've got a list of names. You go, these people, they can do it. Look, right here, I've got the, I've got the proof. But what he's saying is this, is if God is for you, if, if the one in ultimate power is for you, that no one ultimately can be against you. If the one in ultimate power is like sometimes, sometimes people, you know, I don't know, sometimes in movies or on the news, you see people that have a lot of money and it seems like, man, they can get out of anything. Right? They they get in some jam and, and if somebody that isn't making so much and isn't coming from the right side of the tracks, they get in the same jam, they're going to jail. But somebody with the power, somebody with the money, they're able to kind of get out of stuff. Because if you've got power on your side, if you've got authority on your side, then it doesn't matter if lesser authority or lesser power is against you. He says this, if the ultimate authority of the universe is for you, if the ultimate authority of the universe, if the king of the world says, I'm for you, and I in my heart have a disposition towards you, and I love you, and I'm working, and I'm on your side. He says, if God says that, then other people might gossip about you. Other people might slander. Other people might give you a difficult time at work. Other people might disrupt your family, but they cannot ultimately take away from you what is best. They can't ultimately take away from you what's best. They can't ultimately, to the max, be against you. If God's for you. They can't ultimately take away the very best of life from you. They don't have the power to do it. Maybe you say it's not others. Maybe it's God himself that kind of limits him being for me. Maybe you say, okay, God's for me. I believe that. I get that. But maybe he limits how much he's for me. How much is God actually for me? Because you can be for a friend, right? Someone can post up a GoFundMe. I am for you, $20. Like, I'm not, I mean, I've done that. I'm not making fun of that. But I'm just saying there, you can be for someone, but there can be limits to that, right? You can say, I'm for you, and that doesn't mean that you're willing to lose your job for somebody. You can be for somebody, and it doesn't mean you're saying, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. I sold my house, and I'm homeless. Like, there's limits to how for we are for each other. The closest friends you have and the closest people in your life and even your mama, she might be for you. Your friends might be for you. But there's limits to how for each other we are, right? And maybe we feel that way about God. Like, okay, I've got difficulty in my life, and I I get it. God's for me. But how for me is he? This is what Paul says. He did not even spare his own son but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? See, that's, that's for somebody. I mean, you, maybe you've gone to some place, maybe a company dinner, a company retreat, and, or, or maybe a friend hosted you, or maybe you went on vacation, something, and we've used the phrase something like this, wow, man, they spared no expense, right? And that means, man, they went all out. Man, it was, it was beautiful. The lights were there. The candles were there. The, maybe they even brought in a celebrity. And you're like, they, went, they spared no expense. But you don't mean, yeah, they gave up their son to pay for this. 
you don't mean that. Like, you don't mean, man, yeah, they, they killed their son. That's what they did. Isn't this an awesome dinner? You know what he says? He is so for you that he didn't even spare his own son. Like, What's most precious to you? I know a lot of you are new parents. A lot of you are pregnant. Would you be willing to give up your child? He says he didn't even spare his own son. God is so for you. God is so in his fundamental being saying, I want good for you. I'm working for you. I'm on your side. I feel affection for you. That I'm not even going to hold back my own son. I'll give you everything. I will give you everything I have. See, because if you think, okay, God's for me, but how far is he willing to go? God's for me, but how much is he for me? Paul says this, how will he not also with him grant us everything? It's from the greater to the lesser. If, I, if I'm willing to give you some lint off my shirt, I'll give you my shirt. If I'm willing to give you a pillow, uh, I'll, if I'm willing to give you a, my bed, rather, I'll give you a pillow. If I'm, if I'm willing to give you a job at my company, I'm, I'll give you the company stapler. If I'm willing to give you a million dollars, I'll give you five dollars. If I'm willing to give you my son, I'll give you everything. See, maybe in the difficulty that you face in life, you know that God loves you. You didn't come in here thinking, ah, oh, God doesn't love me. But how much does he love you? How much is he on your side? How much, really? God says, I gave you my son. I gave you everything I couldn't give anymore. So what does that mean? That means he'll give you everything. Now, you don't believe that, do you? I didn't believe it. I mean, just read that sentence. How will he not... Also with him, grant us everything. Right? Your first reaction when you read that isn't, oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, he's going to give me everything. Paul is wanting to make the point that nothing, God wants you to know that nothing is beyond the bounds of what he will give to you. That God will give you everything. Everything that is good for you, everything that you need, everything that is in line with him being on your side. And listen, our, our vision of what that is and what God's vision of that is don't always match up, right? We think this is everything, and God says, I, I know that that's what you think, but I'm absolutely for you. Remember, I gave you my son, and I will give you everything that is good for you. I will give you Everything that I know is in line with me being on your side. I, I will give you everything in life that is what you actually need to experience the most joy and to beat what is coming at you. Everything. If he gave us his son, he'll give us everything. What are you asking God for? What have you been praying about? What have you been wrestling with? What are you asking him for?
why is it that you want that? Maybe you want some security in life. Maybe you want some comfort in life. Maybe you want some happiness in life. Maybe you want some companionship in life. I'm not sure all, all the reasons, but what he says is, God will give you everything that you need. God will provide everything you need to be able to experience life in line with him being totally for you. Look, he gave you a son. Maybe you think, okay, God might be for me, but some of the difficulty in life that I'm experiencing, maybe, maybe it's not other people being against me that can get in the way of God's being for me. Maybe it's not God himself that's going to get in the way of him being for me. Maybe it's me. Like maybe the thing that's going to get in the way of God being for me is me. Paul says this. He says, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can bring an accusation? It's because maybe you think that maybe the thing that's going to stop God from loving me or from being for me or from me being able to beat the stuff in my life is actually something in me. Maybe someone could bring something up to God, could bring an accusation against me to God, and God would go, whoa, wait, what? They did that? You know, like right now, it's really popular, and I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying it is. Right now, it's really popular that, you know, some celebrity people dig through their Twitter account and pull out, like, hey, look what they said 10 years ago. Or dig out some, you know, old thing. Hey, look what they said about this issue. Hey, look what they said about this. And then everyone kind of jumps on them, and producers are fired from movies, and people aren't allowed to host things, and people are removed from things, and all sorts of stuff where there's somebody saying, hey, I bet I can find some dirt on you. I bet I can find a secret on you. That I bet I can bring an accusation against you that can cause some people to be against you. Maybe we think, maybe we think, you know what? Maybe it's me. Like if God knew this, or if, if, if somehow it was found out this part of my heart, or this thing that I feel, or this thing that I did, or this doubt that I have, maybe then God's not going to totally be for me because there might be something wrong with me. He says, God's the one who justifies. Who can condemn you if God has justified you? You know what that means? It means that Jesus dying on the cross took every accusation against you, every condemnation against you, and said, it's dealt with. So now... You are, if you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're justified. Which means that God looks at you and justly says, not guilty. God looks at you and justly says, vindicated, righteous, approved, chosen. That means whatever, maybe you look at the stuff in your own heart and you say, I don't know if God is going to be for me because of these things. He is wanting you to know. That because of Jesus, he declares you good. That there's nothing that could come out about you. There's nothing that God could see inside your heart. There's no wrong motive. There's no evil thought, evil desire, evil action. There's no aspect that if you have been justified by Jesus, there's nothing there that God would say, I was going to be for you. 
I was going to be so for you that the difficulty in your life was going to be crushed, but there's this thing. An accusation has been brought up, and now I'm sorry. There's nothing there. Jesus died, and Paul says he rose, which means that, that it, what he did had the power and, it, and Paul says he's sitting at the right hand of God, which means, man, he is ruling. He has the authority to declare this. He says he's interceding for us, which means he's praying for us, which means that Jesus sees right now the stuff that you are going through. He sees it. This is such a mind-blowing thought. Jesus sees what you're going through right now and is praying for you. He's talking to God, the Father, about you and saying, no, that accusation doesn't work. Nope. No, that shame doesn't have any place here. Nope, that guilt doesn't have any place here. Remember, I paid for it. He's standing before God right now and interceding for you. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody is yelling. God wants you to know that nothing about you could get in the way of him being for you. Nothing about you. Nothing. Because Jesus already dealt with it. Maybe some of you even feel like you're a failure in life or this week. You go, man, I don't, how can God be for me? I'm not even for myself. Exactly. He's more for you than you even are for you. Last thing. Maybe it's not other people. Maybe it's not God's own limitation. Maybe it's not us. Maybe it's just the circumstances of life. It's just the crap of life stuff that comes at us. That we say, can his love be so for me? How far does it go when all this stuff is happening in my life? And here's what Paul lists out. He says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And then he lists all this stuff. Can affliction, that's just a broad category. Can affliction, can distress, persecution, people being against you. Famine, nakedness, maybe, maybe that's, man, you don't have very much money. You're feeling the lack of life. You're without resources or danger or sword. And then he quotes this from the Old Testament. He says, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. He's saying, look, you might actually die. Some people even die for God, for Jesus. He says, look, what's all the stuff in your life? Maybe it's the stuff that we had on Google. Maybe it's other stuff, and you wonder, okay, maybe it's not. Maybe God is other people, if they're against me, okay, God can be for me. Maybe it's not God that limits himself being for me. He said he gave me a son. Maybe it's nothing in me. Maybe it's just the stuff in life, though, that is all coming at me. Affliction and distress and danger and persecution and all of this stuff. Can any of that, can any of that keep God from me? Can any of that keep God from being for me? Here's what I want you to do. What is it for you? Paul's got his list. What is it for you that you wonder? Maybe you've got a real question. God, what about this though? And Paul's listing the stuff out. The list is to say, look, this is real stuff. This stuff is happening in our lives. This stuff is happening around us. This is real stuff that, that we might experience real pain around. 
What is it for you that you actually wonder about? Can you even just ask God the question? Paul is saying, what, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And then he asks, can this do it? Can this do it? Can this do it? Just quietly ask God, God, what about this? Whatever that difficult thing, maybe it's job, money, parents, sickness, friendships. What about this, God? Before me here? Here's the answer Paul gives. Can anything, can anything separate us? It says this. No! <laughs> and whatever you brought, whatever question you had, the answer is no! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is it that you've got the question about and you say, God, what about this though? God, this is difficult. This is facing me right now. This is the pressure. This is the heat that I'm feeling. And he says, can that thing stop God from being so for you that you can beat whatever comes at you? He says, no. In all these things, look, in all these things, that means while you are in the middle of them, in them, in all these things, whatever things there are, in all of them, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. What does that even mean? You're more than a conqueror. You're more, I mean, You've seen Rocky or sports movies or whatever, and they beat, they win. You go, that's nothing. Rocky only won. That you, Creed only won. That's it? That's all you've got is conquering? That's all you've got is victory? He says, you are more than a conqueror. You are more. You can more than beat the stuff that's coming at your life. You can more then win whatever you are facing and whatever challenge that you are experiencing through him who is for us, who loved us. For I'm persuaded. Then he lists out more things. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, whatever's going on, or the future that you're worried about, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing. He says nothing can separate you, no matter what it is. Even if, even if you die. Even if, even if there is persecution. Even if people are against you. That nothing can stop God from being for you. You can beat whatever comes at you. And here, here's how, because maybe that doesn't feel like beating Maybe it doesn't feel like winning if you die. But he says, whatever you're facing, nothing can get in the way of God being for you. Nothing can get in the way of what is best for you. Ultimately, we're going to face challenges. We're going to face difficulty. We're going to face hardship. But nothing can get in the way of what is best. And nothing, nothing can keep us away from him. So that whatever's coming at you in life, he's not leaving your side. Whatever, whatever you are facing, he is there with you the whole time. Even if everybody else leaves you, even if everybody else abandons you, even if everybody that you counted on turns their back on you, he is for you and with you. 
And so you can beat whatever comes at you because you can't have what's best taken away from you. And you have him with you. And he takes all the stuff, all the stuff that has hurt you in your life and uses it for your good. That's how you even more than beat it. It's not just just that you're able to, to make it through. It's actually that those things, the challenges and the difficulty actually serves you to even know God more, to experience his love more. This is how you can beat whatever comes at you in your life. You are not separated from God's love. Right now, not just 2,000 years ago, right now, God is for you. Right now, God's love is on you, surrounding you. Right now, God looks at you and says, look, you got to fill in the blank with your own name. I I wish I just could say your names, but God looks at you and says, I'm for you. That my love is not separated at all. Let me close with this question. How do we use that? So that's, that's God's love. That's how we beat it. But how do we actually use that then? How do you go home tomorrow? How do you, how do you use this? Or you're not going home tomorrow. I guess you're probably going home after this. But how do, you, how do you use God's love to beat the difficulty of life? And it's, it's this word that Paul said. He said, I'm persuaded. See, it's not just this knowledge of it. It's actually your heart being persuaded, convinced, unchangeable. Are you persuaded deep in your soul that God is for you, that he loves you? Are you persuaded that that's true today and tomorrow? You know how you get there? It's part of what Paul's done in this passage, actually. He's kind of exemplified it for us. He's shown us the method. It's by actually bringing our questions to God. It's by bringing our questions to God and seeing the answers to them. In this passage, Paul asks six different questions. It's an interesting dynamic of this passage is he's not just teaching, he's drawing us in with these questions. What do we say about this? Hey, if God is for us, who's against us? How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation? Who's the one that condemns? Who can separate us? Why is he, why is he using that method? Because you know what he's saying? Bring your questions to God. List out the stuff. Look, if you want to use God's love for you, if you want to use God's forness, if you want to use that to beat the difficulty of life, here's what you need to do. You need to list out the things that you actually have questions to God about. Say, God, what about this, though? What about this? God, can this sin get in the way? God, what about this challenge I'm facing? And bring it to him. He's not afraid of our questions. He says, bring your questions to me and do the work to answer them thinking through who he is and what he's done. Compare, hold up our questions to the truth that he reveals about himself. For every question, there's an answer. Take the questions that you have. Look, I don't know all the stuff that's difficult for you in your life, but I know something is. And I want you to, this week, to write those out and just say, God, what about this? And then compare that to what God says about himself. That's what Paul does. That's how Paul helps us. 
to list it out and to compare it to what we see about who God is. But not by ourselves. Paul's the one doing this. Paul's the one helping walk people through this, right? We need each other. That's why community is so important, is we need each other to ask these questions. So I'm asking you to do these things. List this stuff out. Compare it to what's true and talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody else in our church or close friend and say, hey, I want, I want to know God's love for me more. See, Paul, as a good pastor, as a good friend, is helping people to process this. We need to help each other do that. We all want to beat the hard stuff in life. We all want to beat whatever is coming at us. How do we do that? It's by knowing his love. It's by knowing that he is so for us that nothing can get in the way. Not other people, not ourselves, not some limitation in him, not any circumstance thrown at you. The way we beat whatever is coming at us in life is knowing he is now and forever for you. When we come to take communion, what we remember is that Jesus, Jesus allowed himself to be conquered, to be defeated so that we can be more than conquerors. And he wanted us to take this often to remember. I did this 2,000 years ago for you, but he said, I want you to remember always, this is how I still feel about you. I'm still for you today. And so as you take communion, I want you to remember, man, if you're a Christian, Jesus is for you just as real today as the day you became a Christian as the day that you most felt God's presence, as 2,000 years ago, as whatever time that it's real to you, it's just as real today. That's why we take communion, is to keep that fresh in our souls. That's why we're going to sing songs, to worship him and remember how good he is and how much he is for you. Pray with me. Father, I thank you. Thank you that we can bring every question, that we can list out every possible thing that we fear and that we worry might get in the way. And God, you see everything going on with everybody in here. You know the questions that we have. You know the difficulties and the challenges that the people in here are facing. You know where our hearts don't believe. And I pray, even as we take communion, as we sing songs, God, that you would break through that you would help us to see how much you are for us, how in your heart there is an overwhelming affection. Let that become even more real as we take communion and as we sing songs. In your name, Jesus, we pray.